Well, the, the right thing to do is, is honestly to just make sure that you are listening to both sides. Where folks are coming from, and I realized how many bad experiences uh, I did have at Macaulay, but they were far overshadowed by the good moments. But still, uh, that was a big deal for me to be able to say, so because we speak up, it is out of love. Uh, it is not out of disdain, and I think that's the number one message. Macaulay provides so much, so many resources, and as Johnny put, networking and uh, a pool of alumni that you can lean on in order to go after whatever their dreams and goals might be. Welcome to Stories from the Ridge, a podcast series from the Macaulay School. I'm Lee Burns, head of school at Macaulay, and I invite you to join me in this edition of Stories from the Ridge as I sit down with three of our great alumni and discuss the topic of diversity at Macaulay. We are on a wonderfully uplifting journey as a school and as a community of brothers to ensure that all students, no matter their color or religion or social status or sexual orientation, are treated with respect and dignity, are embraced and loved and enjoy all the benefits of a Macaulay education. Part of that journey is listening listening to students, parents, and to alumni. So today I invite you to listen in as I chat with three members of our Black Alumni Steering Committee as we discuss our Moving Forward Together as Brothers initiative. I'm honored to have three outstanding alumni joining in this discussion today. They're all members of the Black Alumni Steering Committee and have provided so much valuable insight and guidance as we move forward with our Moving Forward Together as Brothers initiative. Let me introduce Keenan Hale, class of 2011, Charles Green, class of 2006, and Johnny Graham, class of 1995. Let's see, Keenan, you're in Washington. Charles, you're in Chicago. Johnny, you're in Williamsburg, Virginia. And I'm here on the Ridge in Chattanooga. Well, let's start, if each of you would take a moment or so to briefly introduce yourself, tell us uh, what you do, what you've done since leaving Macaulay, and why you joined the Black Alumni Steering Committee. Johnny, do you want to get started? Uh, yes, Lee, it's great to be with you this afternoon. Johnny Graham, class of 95, uh, attended the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Uh, upon uh, graduation from UNC Chapel Hill, I had the distinct honor of uh, working with Lee Burns at another independent school in Western North Carolina. Enjoyed those years, came back to, to Macaulay for a few years, then uh, had the opportunity to get into school leadership, uh, an opportunity to serve as head of school, founding head of school at some other organizations, currently serve as head of school at Williamsburg Christian Academy, where I live with my family in Virginia, and just happy to be a part of this success discussion today. Thank you, Lee. Um, my name is Charles Green, and I'm class of 2006. Um, Glad to be a part of this conversation. What I currently do today is I'm a new business manager for Cigna Healthcare. Um, prior to, to joining Cigna, I, when I graduated Macaulay, I played a year of football at Austin Peay State University and then transferred to a school out in Michigan called Albion College where I played ball up there, but also had the pleasure to be a part of two honors programs, one for economics and the other one for political science. Um, graduated from Albion, decided Michigan was way too cold for me, and then I traveled back down to 
Chattanooga, where where my parents and family live, and um, worked there for a while and decided that, you know, I needed to further my education. So I got my MBA from University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, um, got a job as an underwriter at Cigna Healthcare, and now I'm a new business manager and working for uh, large employers. So think of an employer group of 500 eligible all the way up to 5,000, helping them um, find the right set of health benefits for their employees. Great, thanks Charles. And then Keenan, what about you? Thank you, Lee, for uh, inviting me to this uh, amazing discussion today. Uh, my name is Keenan Hale, class of 2011. Um, after graduating from Macaulay, I attended Syracuse University where I played football um, and also majored in communication and rhetorical studies. Once I left Syracuse, I, I went back home to uh, Georgia and I became the chief of staff to mayoral candidate Rochelle Robinson and helped her get elected uh, before coming to Washington DC where I currently reside. Um, once I uh, finished my tenure as her chief of staff, I became the executive and legislative assistant for Congressman Al Green out of Houston, Texas and worked with him from 2015 all the way up until 2019. Uh, at which point I left and joined the law firm Gray Robinson as a federal lobbyist and government affairs consultant. Um, I most recently transitioned from Gray Robinson um, January 4th and began a new role as the senior director of government affairs for Ian Reed, uh, which is a full service lobbying firm here in Washington, DC. And I am currently lobbying for a variety of issues and you know, many that impact me and, and discussing social equity is one of the most important things um, on the docket that I, that I make sure that I bring to the table with my clients um, and, is, and in front of the congressional committees and, and other hearings. So without further ado, I, I wanna say thank you again for allowing me to you know, interview and speak with you all today. Uh, and I look forward to the discussion. Well, thank you to each of you, uh, not just for being here today, but for sharing your perspective and wisdom and, and advice um, for Macaulay. And, and Keenan, I want to start with you. I remember one of the things that you had said um, back early on in our discussions was that the murder of George Floyd last spring really changed everything. And what do you, what do you mean by that? And what have you seen um, that's changed and different um, post George Floyd murder? Absolutely. Thank you for the question. Uh, yes, so the, the George Floyd killing really sparked the, the national outrage because we were no longer able to hide from what we all know in the African-American and minority community uh, that goes on. And it was such a, a, a tragedy and to catch that on film and on video, which is now becoming more commonplace to have bystanders with their the cameras recording, uh, it, it changed how we see uh, the, the police and, and our community and, and what happens to minorities. I mean, we can no longer hide from the fact that these types of injustices happen day in and day out. They're being recorded, whereas before they weren't. We didn't have uh, high-tech cameras in, in most people's hands to be able to show exactly what is happening in our communities. But now uh, the George Floyd killing on top of other uh, killings during the same year uh, compounded and really just started snowballing to a point to where we can't ignore all of these things anymore. And, and to have police say that, oh, 
this did not occur the way that it, it that you know they say that it did the film shows clearly that is not the case so i think we're just entering a new era of accountability where people have the ability to show through their own cameras and not just by what the police officers say happened. And that really changed the whole dynamics of where we are today. And, and I think it's, a, it's an important topic that we must address moving forward because we don't want to allow these same individuals to get off and, and allow their words to be taken uh, you know, for you know, fact when in fact that it wasn't how it happened. Uh, George Floyd was on his, on his back, on his neck, had a knee on him and the police officers stood uh, by and you had one officer just had his neck, knee pressed on his neck the whole time for uh, minutes. I mean, it's just unconsciousable to think that that is acceptable. And, and it, it really sparked outrage and everybody um, you know, came together and decided enough is enough. We must change how police are treating us in the minority community. This is not just a, a one-off, you know, this happens a lot. And so we need to continue um, our vigilance and making sure that people are held accountable uh, to the same standards that we would want ourselves to be held to if that were us or our family members. So what does that mean as you broaden that to, to society and to corporations, organizations, the faith community, schools, schools like Macaulay, what does that what does that mean for organizations um, throughout our society? What are our roles and responsibilities and reactions and so forth? And the right thing to do? Well, the, the right thing to do is, is honestly to just make sure that you are listening to both sides. I mean, for far too often, you know, when minorities, especially African Americans, tell their story, unless it was captured on film, and even then if it is captured on film, it's still not taken as a fact. It is, oh, this is a, an opinion of what might have happened, when in reality, that, that's just not the truth. So there is a uh, accountability that organizations must take on their part in making sure that we are all holding to that same standard. I mean, we cannot just uh, employ these types of people uh, and have them in our community roaming and allow these things to take place without us questioning and actually asking the tough questions to these people. We cannot just take them at face value and allow our corporations to uh, funnel money into you know, such programs and communities that are not um, having their needs met by the police and, and other accountability measures. So I, I think that that is a, is a major start as to what corporations and organizations can do, making sure that they are also, you know, not just doing their bottom line, but also ensuring that those that are employees of those corporations and organizations are taken care of inside of their communities. Because, far, you know, it, it's easy for a corporation or an organization to look at it from the standpoint of, hey, you know, we're doing what's best for our business. But you have those employees that actually have to go back home to their own communities and experience these uh, same injustices and then go to work the next day as if nothing happened. That, that's just not you know, the, the day and age that we are in to where it's acceptable to allow your employees to still face these same injustices as soon as they leave work to go back home and, and face these trials. Yeah. We, we must hold um, everyone accountable and we must make sure that they are taken care of 
and their communities are also taken care of and not just taken care of, but also respected and uh, their, their opinions and not just opinions valued, but also taken as a fact, even when we have them on film. Yeah. Well, thank you. One of the words I heard you talk about was listening. And one of the things that we've tried to do in particular at Macaulay since we formed the Black Alumni Steering Committee back last spring is to really make sure we're doing a good job of listening to the, the stories, the experiences, the perspectives of, of all our students from a, a diversity of backgrounds, um, including our Black students. And so we've done a lot of, you know, tried to do a lot of listening and reflecting and and I think that's one of, one of the many benefits of the Black Alumni Steering Committee that is have been to me and to others of us here. And I'd be curious, you know, maybe Johnny, if you would speak to sort of your take on, you know, the Black Alumni Steering Committee and why you decided to join that and, and how you see um, that uh, important body uh, helping Macaulay. Absolutely, Lee. Um, when Bess and Ricky reached out to us uh, in May of, of 2020, uh, with the love uh, that I have for my alma mater, uh, I knew that all conversations would not necessarily be pristine uh, and that this is very difficult work. But I said to myself, uh, if, if uh, my good acquaintance, Lee Burns, is willing to lead Macaulay in a way where this uh, 115, soon to be 116 year organization is going to really listen, uh, you know, with a purpose, uh, then I felt it my duty uh, to be a part of the Black Alumni Steering Committee and kudos to you and your staff, Lee, for being willing to hear some things and to receive feedback that is not easily uh, to take in. The other thing is as a society, we understand trauma from a physical injury standpoint. So if I'm in a bad car accident and I have head trauma, we understand that. We understand trauma from uh, an abusive relationship. However, uh, it is always uh, baffling to me how American society does not understand trauma from a cultural standpoint. And so really what you are hitting on me is the ability to listen, to put yourself in another's shoes and to understand that your average Latino, uh, African-American, Jew, people in another category or a minority category in the United States they've experienced some level of cultural trauma by age 21, and that just carries on and adds on to your psychosis and baggage. So it's really a big deal uh, for us to even be more culturally trauma-informed uh, over the next years to better listen and understand where folks are coming from. And I realized how many bad experiences uh, I did have at Macaulay, but they were far overshadowed by the good moments. But still, uh, that was a big deal for me to be able to say to the current head of school, this happened 28 or 29 years ago. 
and I still love uh, my alma mater. So because we speak up, it is out of love. Uh, it is not out of disdain. And I think that's the number one message that I want to give in this bit of feedback is uh, all of the gentlemen on this call deeply love their alma mater. And I'd say that's the overall reason we, we come back in such big numbers. Yeah, well, Johnny, I really appreciate that and the spirit and heart with which you and others have given what really can be heartbreaking, really hard things to hear you know, from time to time. And, you know, those of us who work at Macaulay, I mean, we, we work here, we serve here because we want to invest in the lives of, of young people. And I think people's intentions are good. And when you realize though, that, wow, you know, we've had students and even have students who, who have had really painful, hard, difficult uh, situations, even traumas, it, it's, it's heartbreaking to hear that, but it's also, it's also really important to hear those stories and to reflect upon them and let them sink in and realize, hey, we can do better. We've, you know, we've got to do better. And, and it starts with, you know, starts with listening. I think part of it also, you know, relates to un uncovering our, the implicit biases um, that we have. And we've done a lot of work with our faculty and staff and even some student leadership groups on, you know, implicit bias and recognizing that the ways in which we organize information and view, you know, people and groups of people and so forth and have biases and blind spots. Um, and we need to be aware of, of what those are. And they're not necessarily, they're not character flaws per se, but they are, they are biases that can really have an impact on equality and opportunity in ways people feel respect and equality and so forth in ways we're not intending. So there's a lot of work we've been doing, you know, around that. You know, Charles, as you think about sort of where, you know, where Macaulay is, you know, right now and sort of on this journey, what are some, you know, ideas or perspectives or hopes that you have um, for Macaulay? Yeah, no, I, I have nothing but the utmost hope and, and respect going forward for Macaulay. Um, and taking a step back, both Keenan and, and Johnny mentioned um, the ability to listen and reflecting back and um, coming out of love. And when I think about my own personal um, Macaulay journey, when I think about my own personal um, Black journey to be um, candid, it's been filled with a little bit of trauma. When I think about just being a Black man in a Macaulay world, being a Black man um, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, in Chicago, in Michigan, and the places that I grew up in and became a man. Um, I, I think what has changed from the George Floyd murder to up until now is that um, people not only are listening to our stories and what we've been going through, not starting at that day, George Floyd's day, but prior to that. And, and I, I think for me is uh, the... I have made an assumption in terms of that all people knew exactly what I was going through. Meaning um, as, a, as a black student, I knew that I had to work harder than any of my white counterparts. Um, being a black professional, I knew that I had to be perfect in regards to the proposals that I put out or um, working twice as hard, coming in early to make sure that people view that I was hardworking and that I was contributing and providing value to my company. I, I had assumed that the world knew that the space that I lived in was a lot tougher and that there were rules and regulations that I had to adhere to. And if I didn't do that, then I, I wouldn't be successful. And the contrary, the repercussions for not doing those things was so much more detrimental than any other 
um, counterpart that I, I grew up with. And I, I, the, the ability and the openness for society, for my Macaulay brethren, um, for the, the people at my job to now only stop and listen and, and then truly understand those, those hurdles and those challenges that I, I went through, that my brothers here on the call went through, that my colleagues at work um, are going through on a constant basis, uh, really uh, kind of changed my, my view on, on, on what I thought prior to the, to the murder of George Floyd. So when I think about how do we take listening and understanding where we're at as a, as a Black community or a people of color community, and then understanding those challenges, understanding that um, we might, uh, the, the world that we live in is diverse in nature, and that isn't necessarily reflected in, in the hierarchy of either senior management, on a teacher level, um, professors, um, going outside of you know, uh, schoolwork and going into commercial. Uh, how do we make our like the, the different aspects of our individual um, lives more diverse in nature. And so what, going back to your original question um, about my, my hope and, and goals for Macaulay is that we would, you would take uh, the, take what we're speaking of on. Um, so listening to our own experiences and then um, truly implementing um, processes and procedures that allow those things to not happen. Thank you for joining in this discussion through our Stories from the Ridge podcast series. I encourage you to listen to our other podcasts in this growing series. And of course, if you have any suggestions for future podcasts, please let us know. Just send us a note at info at That's info at We'd love to hear from you. Before we get back to our conversation with Johnny Graham, Keenan Hale, and Charles Green, I'd like to share a short interview former head of school Spencer McCauley III held last year when David Chapman, class of 1975. David was the first African-American student to enroll and graduate from Macaulay, and he visited campus last year to talk with students and faculty about his experience. Here's part of Spencer's talk with Mr. Chapman. Well, I can tell you we wanted you here. That's for sure. Uh, and of course, we, those of us who wanted you very much, were hoping that it would be a happy place for you. And, and that was everything was new to us too. We, we hoped that our students would be welcoming and I, I assume that most were? Oh, absolutely. Amongst the students and the staff, um, absolutely. There were, you know, because I was the first black, you know, to graduate, I was the first uh, black boarding student, um, there were some, you know, uncomfortable moments here and there, but uh, I don't feel that it was it wasn't any any targeting or anything like that. It was just a, a new experience, and um, for there, you there, or for them, for both, both, yeah, both. Um, the teachers were very supportive. Um, I got support in ways I could I could ask teachers questions, and I got time after to, you know after class time for for help in areas that I needed it. You know, not in a um, in a, in a needy kind of way, but just, you know, a student who wants to ask questions, I was able to approach my teachers uh, and, you know, get honest and straightforward responses. Um, the people that worked here, um, all of them, you know, were decent people, principled people. Uh, and while I had some misgivings, um, 
just in general because it was a new environment, um, it ended up being very welcoming. Um, the only downside I would say really um, was because of the lack of familiarity and discomfort in general, um, there were times I felt excluded uh, you know, on the weekends and activities and things of that nature. But I didn't feel any of that was deliberate at all. It was just the way it is. And it wasn't always that way. I was invited out to some uh, a few functions and things, one of which turned out to be you know you know my first date ever, and it was just because I the, the kindness out of uh, some of my friends that said you know let's ask David you know let's let's bring him along, and um, it was a good experience. You know. So uh, you did mention the loneliness at times when you talked in a very nice. Uh, talk today that I heard with the middle school students mm -hmm. uh, they they were very attentive could you could you sense that did you absolutely um, I was deliberate in, in looking folks in the eye and pointing because I wanted to make sure that you know I, I got their attention but I didn't have to do the things I thought I would need to do to get their attention um, I was fully engaged. I, you know, each person I looked at, they were looking, you know, at me, and I feel that that was, you know, I, I won't say that was coaching. They were, they were there. They were listening. They were paying attention, and I appreciated that. And what did you think about the composition of that student group? Oh, I was happy to see it. You know, um, absolutely. Uh, I saw faces of all kind of shapes and, and colors, shall we say. Um, Macaulay is making progress, yeah. and um, you know, obviously, you know, while there's there's more work to be done, I'm happy to see that work is being done. That was former head of school Spencer Macaulay III talking with David Chapman, class of 1975. Now let's return to our great discussion on our Moving Forward Together Brothers initiative. You know, one of the things that the Black Alumni Steering uh, Council is uh, has as an important project is a mentoring program connecting with um, current Black students. And, and thank you all for doing that, for being mentors. And it's, what advice have you given to your um, mentees so far, or do you anticipate giving to them? So think about a, you know, a, you know, a Black student at Macaulay. What's your, what's your advice um, to share uh, with him, you know, networking is is really hugely, um, and the ability to maneuver through professional settings. Uh, networking is is a skill uh, that literally took me about ten years in in the professional world uh, to develop, and I think these young men have the opportunity to hit the ground running knowing how to communicate, uh, form their networks, also promote their skill sets, and to really have a game plan for their, their adult lives coming out of the perfect catapult like a Macaulay community. Those are some of the things we're working on uh, inside of the Connect Committee, which is a subcommittee of the Black Alumni uh, steering committee, large group. I, I would say for me, uh, taking advantage of the opportunity that has been provided for you, Macaulay provides so much, so many resources and 
as Johnny put, networking and uh, a pool of alumni that you can lean on in order to go after whatever their dreams and goals might be. And I think it's important to understand the, the opportunity that has been granted to each one of those individuals and to understand that this is this could be this could be the jumping um, off or the the, the the spring for for catapulting their own careers and goals and aspects and to really take advantage of all those resources. If I go back and I talk to my former self in 2006 and and I can tell them like the world is literally your oyster, and it's true because Macaulay provides opens the gates. I'll give you an example. I was I remember coming back from college, graduating from Albion College. And I was interviewing for a job in the Chattanooga area. I came in with my Macaulay um, pendant on my blazer. And before I could even start talking, they said, are you from Macaulay? Did you play football? You know, your academics? Like, uh, they just catapulted the conversation. And I was offered a job interview just strictly because of the experience that I had at Macaulay. My dad, who is a, was a former director of a nonprofit in the Chattanooga area, would come in and connect with potential donors. And because of the relationship that he had with the school, with me being a, a student of Macaulay, we were able to help the community out even more so than what we, that he would be able to if he was just by himself. So I'm really just thinking about taking advantage of the opportunity that Macaulay and God has given you. Yeah. Keenan, what about you? What would be your advice to, uh, to black students at Macaulay? So both uh, Johnny and Charles uh, provided phenomenal uh, responses. And, and I wanna add on to those um, by first just stating how important it is to have folks that look like you uh, to come back and, and provide guidance and have those conversations. Um, during my time in Macaulay, I, I don't recall a, uh, an alum, an African-American alum um, being there to listen to me, to you know, have conversations about, you know, what I was going through at Macaulay, and, and the importance um, is you can't even state the the magnitude of something like that. So what I want to make sure with my three mentees, and I've I've had conversations with them, is that you know, you and I may have conversations, and you know, they're going to be confidential. However, it is incumbent on you to ensure that those that come behind you are getting that same treatment, that you are also imparting the knowledge and the resources and being there for those guys to have a successful career at Macaulay and beyond. Um, those relationships uh, being built are extremely important and they build those, the confidence of these guys so much. I mean, I know how much it would have meant to me as a, as a Macaulay student to have uh, an African-American alum that is doing extremely well in their professional career to come back and, and just, you know, listen to me and, you know, give me some wisdom and guidance that I would want, um, you know, to help me in my career in the next stages of my life, just to impart everything that they have into my life. Um, I mean, and I, I've seen the smiles from my mentees uh, when we've talked uh, on FaceTime and, and just seeing them, it's exciting to me. Uh, so I want to make sure that they give back to those uh, freshmen and other, you know, incoming students that come into Macaulay, uh, like they did, you know, as a boarding student, it is tough, you know, you're not from 
the Chattanooga area, you have to make new friends, you have to network. Uh, and when you are an African-American and you're minority in the school, it really is um, a little bit more challenging. I mean, you have a, a school that does not have staff that is representative of you know, your population. And, and so trying to navigate um, is you know, extremely, uh, you know, extremely competitive high school, one of the best in the nation. I mean, you really have to put that in perspective and make sure that they have the resources and the folks around them that can actually impart that knowledge and be there for them as a resource and as a as a uh, a friend to really help them get through that you know and, and those are lifetime uh, you know friendships that are built I mean helping them in that high school career you know what it'll do for them in college and beyond is is extremely important. I think that's a great point. And, and one of the things you mentioned, just how important it is for students to be around adults who look like them, have similar backgrounds to them and so forth. And so we have um, sort of a comprehensive effort on diversity called Moving Forward Together's Brothers. And there's six you know, components to that. And one of those is, you know, attracting and building and retaining a more diverse faculty and staff and administration. And so we're working really hard at that. And how do we, you know, how do we network with broader groups to bring greater faculty diversity? So students, whatever their background is, they're more likely to see uh, people who look like them have backgrounds uh, similar to them. That really is important. And you know, and the, and the other the other components are moving forward together as brothers initiatives. One is you know, the second one's on faculty training. Let's make sure that we have the the skills and the abilities to really understand and support students from all types of backgrounds as well as possible. As I mentioned earlier, I think everyone's got a heart for wanting to love and serve all the boys, but it, it takes, I think, you know, training and equipping faculty and staff to really understand how to best be able to do that. And then uh, curriculum and programs. How do we make sure our curriculum and the programs we offer, you know, comes from, from a a multiple and a variety of different perspectives and backgrounds and so forth, whether it's how they're looking at history or authors that we're selecting in the English uh, department, speakers that we bring in. Also, how do we support our students you know, from diverse backgrounds? Ricky Thomas in, in particular is on point with that, does a great job with that. Looking at our enrollment, we want to make sure we continue to enroll, enroll uh, an increasingly diverse uh, student body. We live in a diverse country in a diverse world, and to be, to and talent is distributed across all types of backgrounds. And we want to make sure that we can tap into that, and that students learn to see diversity um, as a strength. And then finally, how do we engage the broader community beyond 500 Dodds Avenue? Um, so those are the, and we've got about 50 or so faculty and staff who are working on those task forces. We meet several times a month, and so there's a lot of energy and work uh, going on um, in that. Really grateful for that, and I think we've made good progress. We're committed to it institutionally, but we've got, we've got a ways to go, and we recognize that um, it's, gonna, it's an ongoing uh, process, and it's going to take time. It's going to take partners, but there's a sense of urgency and, and importance to getting this work done really well and really grateful for the three of you for what you're doing um, and alumni and others who are listening to this um, if you have ideas um, let us know if you have prospective faculty members you think would be a good fit for macaulay encourage them to look at us if they're boys and families that you think would be good to come to macaulay or a macaulay summer program uh, please let them know you're you're our best ambassadors and word of mouth is a great way to to share macaulay as we wrap up, is there a kind of a closing uh, thought or idea that each of you could leave us with? Yeah, 
real quick, and I, I love all the work that we're committed to, and, and this is this is absolutely wonderful. I, I you know going back to my teenage years and having someone who would be able to come in and be a mentor and show me all the things or give advice to me about what to expect in the future would be wonderful. And I think all of the, all of this work and and goals goes towards you know, making the playing field level. So when you, the question that you brought up initially is what type of words would you impart to your mentees or what are you telling your mentees? And what I told my, my mentee on Friday is that we're, we're trying to make this easy as possible for you. It's already hard to be a Macaulay student. I, I remember I, I, have, I graduated from Macaulay. I got my um, BA, I got my MBA, and I can sit here today, the most challenging academic years of my life was my seventh grade year at Macaulay. Like, I remember the homework and the amount of work that, have, that went into being a successful Macaulay student. And if that's the most challenging work, if, if it's as challenging to be a student at Macaulay, and then to add in any of the other things that, going, that goes into being a, a Black student or a Black male in society, um, to be able to come in and help even the playing field and take some of those burdens off them so that they are able to be the best person that they can be, um, I am all for it. So I, we are here to make their jobs, their academic career a lot easier than we had it. And we're, we're, we got their back, we're here for them, and we're gonna do everything to make sure that they are comfortable and have the best opportunity to succeed. Right, thank you, Charles. Johnny, what about you? Closing Lee, thought? Um, I, I just sit here uh, with, uh, you know, just beaming with pride uh, in my alma mater. And, and let me explain, it's not pride out of we've accomplished anything, we've arrived, we have all of the answers. I beam with pride as a black man who is also a follower of Christ that my alma mater has made the decision to love its neighbor, uh, its white neighbor, its brown neighbor, its Muslim neighbor, it's black neighbor, it's gay neighbor. I'm just very proud of the stance that you uh, have really taken with Macaulay. And I'm proud because we're willing to take a tough journey. Uh, not too many organizations that are over a century old are, you know, are willing to chip away uh, at their ensconced traditions. Uh, kudos to you, kudos uh, to, to my Macaulay family on the Ridge. And so out of that, Lee, uh, I'm just filled with, with pride at this particular moment, simply because we're willing to do the tough work ahead. Thank you, Johnny. Keenan, last word to you. Thank you. Uh, I, I want to piggyback on what uh, Johnny just said um, in a way, and that is, I think in, in order for us all to move forward together, uh, and especially as a, a high school uh, student at Macaulay and, and those that have you know, graduated from the school, I think it's important to become successful in whatever it is that we wanna do and to create something powerful together and movement. We need to continue to you know, document everything that happens and review 
uh, you know, what has transpired. Without that, we will not be able to move forward with a factual historical context of, of what we have been through. Um, and that's important because understanding where we've been will help guide us to where we want to go. And I want to make sure that all of us are on the same page. And, you know, somebody may have a different viewpoint at one point in time. And by those collective narratives coming together, I think that we can really strengthen uh, the power of our collective knowledge and share in, in a very powerful movement as we really try to create um, a better unity uh, amongst one another as we move forward. It's, it's extremely important, I mean, in both your professional and your personal lives that we uh, document and we make sure that we are uh, doing this as one uh, and sharing these narratives and, and also acting upon what it is that we've documented. It's extremely important. I'm just proud to be a Macaulay alum and I'm grateful for the opportunity that uh, you've given me today to speak on these important issues um, that are surrounding us in our nation's climate today. Thank you, the three of you so much for for not just this conversation, but just the work that you're doing, your commitment to Macaulay. And uh, yeah, I'm excited and um, proud. And you know, Johnny, she said, we can't claim, hey, we're not claiming victory right now. There's a lot of work to do. But I think we're, I think we're on the path. I think we're on a good path. And I think that we're kind of linking arms and putting arms around each other's shoulders and saying, hey, let's, let's do this work together. It's, it's hard, but it's noble. It's important. It's the right thing to do. And I feel like that's what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to say thank you. You know, it's, it's one thing to, you know, like we've discussed to like just listen to the stories and to like, you know, talk about what it is that we could do. But it's another thing to be active um, and, and actually this kinds of you know, conversation. Uh, it goes a long way. It really does. Yeah. And, and the fact that y'all are willing to, you know, put these types of things on. I mean, the, the movement, how swiftly we've uh, moved from 2020 to where we were just starting. Uh, getting everything wrapped up and to where we are now, it's, I mean, I can't understate how uh, many of uh, the Black alums, you know, have expressed their, you know, gratitude just for y'all's, uh, the quick nature in which y'all moved in. I mean, y'all didn't have to do it, but y'all understood the importance of where we are and where we need to be, not just for, you know, personal, but also for, you know, yeah. college. Well, thanks for saying that. And you all can play such an important role in helping others, your classmates and other alums understand that, hey, this really is important. We really are making progress and we're serious about this. And, and I can understand why a lot of people have a lot of skepticism about whether it's Macaulay or about other organizations, you know, in our, in our society. And, um, but, you know, that's, we've all, we've got a heart and passion for this. And, and one thing I want to share with you, I didn't, I didn't find a natural way to work this into the, into the podcast, but you know, our honor roll, our honor roll list just came out recently and 60% of our black students are on the honor roll. I mean, that's a disproportionate mm. amount. I mean, so that's yeah. just, that's just fabulous. And yeah, we, wow. we need to you know, figure out the right way to sort of, you know, get that out there. But that's like, you know, that, that made, that's put the biggest smile, you know, on my face to know that they're, you know, you know, so many of them are thriving academically. Wow. You know, and that's not the only, not that's the only metric that we look at, of course, but that's, you know, obviously an important one. Well, thank each of you. I'm proud to call you fellow Macaulay alumni and uh, your outstanding men 
and uh, really grateful for the service and work and passion and love that each of you have for Macaulay. Thank you all. Go Big Blue. Thanks for listening to this edition of Stories from the Ridge. I encourage you to let us hear from you with your thoughts and suggestions. Just send us a note at info at Macaulay.org.